0: It now gives me great pleasure to introduce three complete Irish bastards. The main reason why. I have had- G'day sports. This is me, Paul Waller. I'm a presenter. I'm on my own again. This is part two of the enemy is a blur sort of point five episode that we do. This one's called enemy is a blur and bracket lotion and therapy. Uh, I've got to be honest with you, the last one wasn't the success I was hoping it was going to be, I was hoping to discover loads of great new stuff, and the only thing that I really got out of it was my rediscovery of PJ Harvey, which I have been still playing like more than any other new album that's come out this year so far, Uh, That was Dry, her debut. I can't recommend it enough. So for this one, this is Enemy from the 17th of June, 1995. The reason it's called Enemy is a blur is because a blur are on the front cover. It's a complete fluke. Oh, hang on. Mr Puggles wants to say something. You alright? As soon as you open up this issue, you're greeted with a picture of the Stone Roses. What is going on with them at the moment is that there is a lot of speculation about why are they not together as a band, as a unit. They are full of issues. They've got drummers that are saying they're leaving the band. Uh, You've got a, a big old mess going on. But the thing is, they're booked to headline Glastonbury... What is going on? Lots of speculation everywhere. Rumours are rife. Uh, They're a complete mess, to be honest with you, at this point. History has told us that they did not end up doing that Glastonbury. Jarvis Cocker and Pulp took over instead and became sort of national heroes because of it. I remember uh, a very common saying uh, towards the end of 1995... In the sort of end of year roundups, was well, was it the year of blur or was it the year of oasis, and and the answer, of course, was it was the year of pulp, uh, and that's the the line that both Enemy and Melody Maker were running. I always thought that was really interesting for a band to to grab success in that way. Not like Pulp weren't already uh, uh, on the road to mainstream acceptance and success. Obviously, a few hit singles uh, in their back pocket really helped. But it sort of cemented it. All of a sudden, they were a household name. And, yeah, I don't really like Pulp. So let's stop talking about them, eh? First album in, it's Blur's The Great Escape. Now, uh, on the last one, we did Blur's first album, Leisure, because that was from 92. And i got to admit, I hadn't heard that before. And I only gave it 5 out of 10. I wasn't that impressed. But Blur have now got both Leisure and Modern Life is Rubbish under their belts. They have single-handedly invented Britpop. And of course you've got the Oasis battle going on. Uh, Famously, The Great Escape was the album that lost the war. But the single country house was the track that won the battle. So as pop history tells it, yeah, Oasis won the war. What do I think of that Oasis album? I think probably what most people think. It's a pretty damn good album. There's uh, a few duffers on there, but the highs are really high. I tend to agree with their public consensus on that, but this is a real odd thing. The Great Escape, Blur's album, I never once listened to. Uh, never, never, never bought it, never had friends that were into it. My wife's quite a big Blur fan. But whenever I was dipping into her collection, I would always go for that, uh, the best of blur thing with the four faces on the front cover. I never really went for it. I don't know any of the songs except the singles. What did I know? I knew stereotypes uh, and I love stereotypes. That was a great single. I also loved that song, Charmless Man, another one that I, I really love. Uh, the Universal was another single and I thought that was too overblown at the time so full of pomp and it was really grand and like it wasn't the sort of thing it was going to drag me away from the underground American scene that I was like so heavily involved in at that point just love my DIY bands as well from uh, like the early onset of weird hardcore that was coming up Country House uh, the, the single that launched the album I just thought it was pure trash, I hated it, like, it was so off-putting for me, their song that came out a little bit before it, uh, on the Modern Life is Rubbish run, that song Boys and Girls, I, I sort of liked it, uh, I was game, I was on board, it was a real departure, but it was a real progression as well, it didn't really ring my bells, but I knew that, uh, there was enough with that to like stick with the band, but for some reason the Great Escape came out and I was already over Blur at the time. Um Wiki, a Wikipedia, it says that this album is a concept album of sorts. Uh an album about loneliness and detachment. And you really see that within the those singles um that I just mentioned. But also, when you take away them singles, there's still eleven tracks to choose from, which is why I've I put this album amongst this lot. I have not heard 11 of these songs before. So I was proper excited going into it. It It's like there's like pretty much a whole blur album um, here that I've just no idea about. So, yeah, I just went for it, stuck it in. And I've listened to this the most, I would say, out of the four albums we're going to talk about now. Um, But saying that probably only five times, you know, like I really went into that PJ Harvey one. I I must have listened to it now 20 odd times, just can't get enough of it. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, this Blur one, that's what we're talking about, sorry, I keep getting deviated off my path, off my linear path of Blur, and i tell you what, for an album that is a bit of a bummer, like, this album got to number one, it was a multi-platinum successful record within just one year of its release, it was flipping massive, so how, like, uh, I haven't heard these, like, other songs is really strange, I'm going to play one now, uh, which was my, sort of, I would say favorite uh, amongst these, and it's called Dan Abnormal. And I found out this is an anagram of Damon Albarn's name. Uh, this is Dan Abnormal. You and me, There we go. I mean, you might think if you just don't know a lot about Blur, but you just know the hits and you know what they sound like, uh, that that song's quite a comfortable listen. Like, there's nothing outrageous about it. It fits very well within the context of all the other Blur songs that you would have heard, and, like, Damon's voice is really, really recognisable is, like, the key factor with this album. Like, whenever the band push those boundaries, it's Damon's voice that keeps it uh, sort of grounded for sure but my problem with the album is it doesn't push out enough it just doesn't do it enough it is it really does feel at some points like it is blur by numbers i remember being really out of the oasis blur loop and i was bemused to be honest with you um when it was on the news like my mum and dad would even mention it it was like it was on the front cover of the regular newspapers it it was a really unusual thing that was going on and I was happy for them and I was happy for like music as a whole. Like, I loved how it was completely mainstream and, uh, you know, the word indie, indie band had become normal band. It w- it was great to me. I loved that sort of thing. I wasn't so up my ass and so like DIY Paul that I-, I couldn't be bothered about it. But at the same time as me saying I love Dan Abnormal... There is not a lot of tracks on here better than that in my eyes, or to my ears, should I say, apart from a couple of those singles I mentioned early on. I can't give this album any more than 7 out of 10. I just can't do it. Uh, In this NME, they pretty much do that thing where, you know, every now and again with a a magazine or an inky back in the day, they would let the artist, like a major artist, do the editing, which basically always just means there's a bit more of them in the issue than there normally would be. So as well as a couple of interviews and a tour diary in there, Damon um, reviews the singles. And there's a band I used to love so much uh, growing up called Tribute to Nothing. And they were like a a snotty bunch of sort of punk type guys, really influenced by bands like Unsane uh, and, again, the American underground movement, uh, a lot more by An Rep Records rather than uh, the sort of stuff, the K records and the more twee sort of stuff that I was getting into as well. Saying that, I saw them uh, play Reading in a tent, like they must have been, like one of them must have been like 13 or something like that, Sam. Absolute killer, 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 killer show, and I'll never forget it. And um, when they would play Canterbury, because they knew I was a bit of a fan and one of my early bands was on their record label for a little bit. We did uh, a couple of tracks for them. They always used to invite me on the stage with them to to sing one of their songs which I absolutely loved and this was the song that they, um, they would invite me on stage to sing with them. It's called Think You Should and Damon reviews this song Uh, and I love this review, Uh, he goes, this is on Go Discs, they usually put out pretty good records, so it might be quite good, we'll see, he then sticks it on, Uh, tribute to nothing, they come from Malvern, which is a nice town with a nice hill, what do we think of that, I'm not sure, it's that voice again, isn't it, Damon's getting a bit cross now, these voices are very important, aren't they, Uh, The beats and the voices, that's the most important thing. Neither of them are working here. You're not really interested, are you? I don't blame you. Our keyboard player lives in Melbourne at the bottom of the hill. It's a nice place. I've only been there twice. What's this lot called again? About nothing. Oh, tribute to nothing. Maybe that's what they should have been called. About nothing. Now, come on, Damon. Listen to a bit of this. (laughs) So sure What you gonna do What's the matter with you Go on try it It's really worth it Go on do it I think you should About nothing, you sure? Tribute to nothing, think you should? Come on! Sorry, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, I reckon Great Escape by Blur, 7 out of 10. It's a good start, you know, good start. Okay, so the next band we've got here is Bracket. Now, Bracket, and the album that is reviewed in this issue is called Four Wheel Vibe. Uh, it's an album, again, I'd never heard of, but let me tell you something. My first inkling of bracket Uh, my first time I heard them uh, was a random seven inch pick in Parrot Records which was in Canterbury at a time long since gone bloody hell if that bracket seven inch wasn't in my life at that point I may not have discovered sort of fat records underground punk I bought it on a whim I loved the front cover. It was a rip on the ACDC for those about to rock. Uh, the single was called For Those About to Mock. It was also released in 1995, and I would have bought it then as well. So I was pretty on it with that. I'm glad about that because it was one of those songs, that, or this 7-inch in as a whole, actually, it was one of those things that I would put on uh Every every compilation tape that I would make, my friends, I imagine they were like, "Paul, what are you doing? This is cack." But it really struck a chord with me. I really it struck a fat record. It really did. I loved it. Do you know what? I would almost I I would go as far to say that I think this seven inch is perfect. Uh, First song is called "Talk Show." The second song is called Homesick and a little song at the end is called My Stepson. I can't knock it. If you're into pop punk, uh, I think it's actually on uh, one of those fat record compilations, I think like something like Everything on Fat, something like it's got a white cover um i don't think you'll be able to find that seven inch anymore but bloody hell if you can get it so being that impressed with this bracket seven inch the next thing i did was i went back the following week like i remember this very well i went back the following week and i was asked the guy have you got any more bracket out he comes with uh, a bracket album Uh, on vinyl, and it was called 924 Forestville Street. Knew nothing about it, but later found out it was their debut, released the year before, and bought it, promptly bought it, and I just thought, you know know when you go home, maybe you don't these days, but I was on the bus going home, and I was just so excited. I had this thing in my hand, and I loved that 7-inch so much. I loved it. Just the thought of how amazing this album could potentially be, I don't know. I don't get those sort of feelings with music anymore. It's weird the way music is now, where I know what's coming out on a weekend. I just know what's coming out on a Friday night. I know what I want to hear. I know how to hear it. And that sort of excitement is gone that there used to be. Weirdly, right, the time is 8pm, and there is some sort of wedding event going on across the road. So if you can hear wedding bells, I'm really sorry. I don't know what is going on. It's really frustrating me, and my dog's getting a bit wound up, I've forgotten where we were, Uh, oh yeah, so there we were, (laughs) right, this 924 Forestville Street album, it's blue, and it's got like a street sign on the front cover, if you are looking on, uh, what would I say, maybe Spotify, definitely YouTube, but yeah, you can find it there, so anyway, that album was well average, I was proper gutted when I got home. I don't know what to say. It was really bland. It was your average pop punk, nothing special about it at all. I would say a three or a four out of 10. So, with that in mind, here we go. Four wheel vibe is reviewed in this issue. I've long given up on bracket, but it, I was happy to see that in this issue, and I thought, right, now's the time to give this a go so this was an album that came out in the same year as that seven inch I like so so far it looks so good there is a song on there called happy to be sad I'm going to play you a little bit of this and you're going to get a real um, uh, a real knowledge instantly of what this band is like because this song is a perfect representation of this album as a whole See what I mean? It crosses pop-punk catchiness, like that that sort of Green Day thing, with straight pop vibes, maybe you'll find with Weezer, um, but it doesn't reach the heights of either of the bands. That's their issue here. I do believe, after listening to this whole thing a couple of times now, yeah, I know, it's only a couple of times, but I really didn't want to listen to it more than that, to be honest. Life is too short. It just doesn't reach the heights that that 7-inch, like, fulfill me. Maybe this band is best for short blasts. But saying that, like, I've watched a couple of live shows sort of late at night when I can't get asleep or whatever on YouTube, and they pretty much rock it on, on this period. So... Uh, I don't know, I'm pretty hit and miss this band. I'll tell you what though, you get to the album closer here, it's called Lazy and it's a bizarre type of indie ballad, reminding me of like Oasis, it even as like Beatles-esque sort of strings and keys or harpsichord weirdness things that goes on. It's sort of like a bit of a misfire, a misstep. Another song that I sort of got a bit from was called Closed Captioned. Uh, it's ridiculously catchy. But it's mid-paced, and, and it sort of just stomps along. And by the end of it, you just think, is that catchy? Or is it just in my head because they keep repeating various bits? That's the sort of band Bracket is. They are your mid-level, uh, as horrible as this is to say, they are a mid-level pop-punk band from that time. Uh, the fat record, Seven Inch, as I say, for those about to mock, that's where it's at. Enemy Scribe... Andy Richardson, he gives this 3 out of 10. He says, it's predictable, tiresome, and formulaic. And my favorite quote from this, he says, uh, let me open this up here, hang on. Yeah, here he goes. It says, status quo playing geek punk. (laughs) That's really horrible. Oh, Andy Richardson, you mean motherfucker. Okay, so that's that. I mean, I'd like to see... Status Quo playing Geek Punk, I'll be honest with you. Uh, so that's pretty good review. It's weird how he we only gave it 3 out of 10. Now, just like The Last Enemy is a blur, this enemy also has a band that I can't get to grips with because it isn't my sort of thing. Even though I was proper turned on by the, the front cover, I just thought this is going to be, in my head... This is going to be like Unsane. This is going to be like, like I said earlier, those AMREP noise bands. I'm going to dig it. But it was so far from it. The band's called Lotion and the album's called Nobody's Cool. Now this got a really good review in enemy from Ted Kessler. He gave it 8 out of 10. So I was like, and it's on Big Cat as well. So I was just thinking, right, if I've never heard of this band before. The front cover looks like a carbon copy of some of those old noise rock albums, I reckon this is a winner. The review didn't mention noise rock, oddly, and it didn't mention any bands in it. You know, like this band sounds like, didn't mention any of them. But one thing that intrigued me about the review, it mentioned banjo on it. It mentioned banjo playing. I was like, well, hang on, that isn't noise rock. Or or if it is, that's going to be really interesting. And then then something hit me. I thought, oh, hang on, I've heard of the band Lotion. And then scuppered because it was actually the Deftone song Lotion that I actually knew. So everything about them is new to me. Uh, I'm going to play you a song called Blind for Now. I think this might have been the single. I'm not sure. But uh, you'll get the complete gist of this band from this. There are some interesting sounds on here. The arrangement choices are okay, uh, but the, the chorus doesn't hit me at all. The verse doesn't hit me at all, and singer Todd Zakowski, yeah, let's say Zakowski, his voice is pretty thin, pretty whiny. Um, especially there's a song called um, Rock Chick on the album. A bit, uh, I think it's a track before Blind for now, and it's it really comes through then that actually this this is a weak, <laughs> this, is, this thing is really weak, I'm not very happy with where this is going, I found myself utterly disappointed with this album, I'm giving it a 3 out of 10, I don't know where where, where this review is going, Given it an 8, i tell you what though, one thing that's really put me off, is it, the band at the time seemed to be marketed in a grungy type of direction, but if I remember correctly, 1995, Grunge was pretty much Stone Cold Dead. Like, you had a few of the the, the secondary Grunge bands still giving it some welly, the likes of Stone Temple Pilots, uh, even though they were within these enemies and melody makers, they were sort of laughed at. Uh, those in the know knew that Stone Temple Pilots were, were killer and had it going on. But then you also had those other bands that I won't mention that, that were really quite disappointing and um, embarrassing to even put in the same conversation as the word grunge to me. As I say, the direction of the artwork made me think that this band would be something that they weren't. Uh, That may be why I was a tad upset with, like, well, upset's too strong a word, because I'm not that bothered. But it made me a tad uh, resentful of the fact that this wasn't what I was hoping to get. Uh, honestly to pitch something towards that faded grunge market at the time was a big mistake and of course i've never heard of lotion so I, i don't think they got any further than this according to wiki they released i think three albums i can't remember now i looked at it a few days ago and this one was like the middle album middle i don't know you don't come to me for facts right you just come to me to know whether uh, this band's worth discovering or not. And I'm going to have to say no. I'm giving this one 3 out of 10. That's all I'm going to say about lotion. Not happy with it. Just like I wasn't happy with Spiritualized. It just, can I just say it just isn't for me? Uh, rather than slag things off, it, it's not for me. final band up here it's therapy therapy now at 1995 paul waller that's me sitting in my bedroom stacks of seven inches stacks of vinyl tons of cds by now as well at this point i'm really getting heavily into my us underground as i've mentioned um therapy was at this point therapy were not the flavor of the month for me um, but I was a casual listener. I had that awesome EP, their debut called Baby Teeth. I thought that was something rather special. And the Teeth Grinder seven inch, that sort of freaked me out. The front cover was weird as fuck, and I really, I really loved the the drum sound on it. It was so off kilter and, and and gnarly and and obtuse. It was really clever, like the way they would construct their songs very happy with Teeth Grinder and of course I had Trouble Gum just like everyone else and I even listened to to Trouble Gum on the regular today it's stone cold classic right and like it, people will say oh it's overrated it's just bubblegum like, rock isn't it well if it is bubblegum rock well I'm on board I love bubblegum rock cuz uh I, I love I love that album it still is a bona fide classic today uh, there's not a bummer of a track on there it's 10 out of 10 and I've got a few 10 out of 10 records from like this period but you would never think therapy to be one but easily easily they are it's a great great record from the production through to the actual songwriting the choruses of belters I love his voice on it but this isn't that album this is a follow-up all right this is the flipping follow-up infernal love now my memories of this at the time were I Saw Diane, so very oddly, somehow, I'd already missed Stories, which was the lead track off this, uh, and listening back now, that could have been on Trouble Gum. it could have been, just maybe not as tight on it, because the production sounds a little bit more, a little bit more muddy to me, a little more expensive, but not as like uh, abrasive, so yeah, I'm not such a fan, but, as I say, I'm not going to digress. Uh, it, it could be off Trouble Gum. Loose uh, was the next single. So there was yet another single before Diane. And that sounds to me like a bit of a cross between Ned's Atomic Dustbin and really, if you know the band Sugar, uh, Bob Mould's band after Husker Do, you would know that what I'm talking about here just by saying Sugar. The track really could be a Sugar song. To be honest with you, it's definitely not as good as sugar or anything off Copper Blue, anyway, and it's not as good as Ned's Atomic Dustbin either. To be honest, but these two songs were released before Diane, so anyway, the reason why I didn't get Infernal Love was because of Diane. I watched it uh, on a, a some something. I watched a video, and I just thought, well, that's weird, but I don't like the way. Andy looks in the video. I don't like this new look that he's got. And I don't like all the PR shots that have been doing the rounds in Enemy and Melody Maker. So instantly the image was not to my liking, but I'm not that much of an arsehole. It takes a bit more than image to stop me liking a band. But it was this song. This song just did something to me. You know, I I'd like, Husker Do, I sort of know a couple of their tracks, but... I don't recognise it from them. I don't like this, man. I don't like it. And then I listened to it this week. And what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Diane is such a great song. It's such a great cover. I compared it to the original and I would take it either. I'd probably take Therapy's version over the Huskadoo version. It's so good. The vocals, when they come in with the harmonies... Uh, oh, it's just, it's spine tingling, and it's so creepy, it works so well, why didn't I pull it up at the time and just think, this, this is a bit of me, it's really, really odd, Um, anyway, what I'm going to do here, I'm going to press play, right, so I press play at the beginning of Infernal Love, and what greets me is this track, Epilepsy, and I would say it's probably as good if not better than any song on trouble gum holy jesus have a listen to this bugger tell you what i just feel like i completely missed out here um what can i say epilepsy is so vibrant uh i love that it's awkward there's got an awkward sort of rhythm to it it'd be really annoying if you were trying to sort of uh, be in a crowd and dance to it or if you're at an indie disco and we're trying to mosh to it because it, it's got that weird time signature in places i'm really impressed like i really missed out here but then the rest of the album, I don't know, uh, it's, I don't know, nothing nothing equals it, nothing equals Epilepsy, those singles that I mentioned, they're okay, and, but it, also there's this song that really made me just think, no, this, this album is definitely not for me, maybe I did make the right choice, Bad Mother. That song is almost terrible. It's almost in the terrible level. It's got elements of the police, and when I say "oh, the police," I really like the police, but it's all them light reggae bits. I don't want therapy doing that. I don't want none of that in my therapy. Like I grew up like listening to Baby Teeth, uh, <laughs> like "Wake Up, Time to Die," and like, I just listen to it, like that gnarly shit. I don't, I don't want some sort of weird light reggae. No, but saying that can epilepsy say that i I reckon that myself and like the public at large should have like kept that one in the bag and given him another bloody chance. I mean, therapy just fell from grace at that point. Uh, I I don't know what happened. I and and I sort of I was going to investigate a bit more. I know the the story, and I will tell you, if you like listening to podcasts, as I hope you do, because you're listening to this, give the Riot Act podcast a listen. They've got this special on therapy where they interview Andy and they talk a lot about this album, and you get a real good insight about it. So I'm not going to go into detail there. If you want to explore further, just listen to the Riot Act podcast, and um, you'll you'll get all that information. But what I wanted to do is do a visual exploration. So what I did was I watched this performance of theirs on YouTube. They're playing in Sweden. And you've got to look at Andy's face here. He looks like he's been caught out. That's exactly what he looks like. He looks stunned. He doesn't look like he's all there. He's totally going through the motion in some places. Uh, His mind is really on something else. So it's a really weird state to be in. And, And at that point... Was it already clear that stuff wasn't going not so well for them? It, it, I'm not clear of the timeline there. So it's interesting. But at the same time, like that same year, they are the band below Metallica, like in a lineup pretty much, I think, chosen by Metallica on the Monsters of Rock Donington Festival. Like they were second to Metallica, they were above. Skid Row, Machine Head, Slayer, White Zombie. They were second to Metallica, which shows you where they were within the rock scene. Now, I remember a lot of um, people at the time, because I was a regular Kerrang! buyer, Metal Hammer! buyer, and I remember that being quite the thing. Just like when Parkway Drive got announced for Bloodstock this year, I, I remember there was a furore for raw there was a for about it nobody wanted therapy playing all the rockers were like yeah all right therapy go to reading play reading you're not playing monsters of rock you're nothing to do with metallica how dare you and then they turned up right and i really wanted them just to show i wanted them to show the rock world like a big fuck you to to you metalheads, you knobs stop being so close-minded But I reckon they just bottled it. They turned up and they were all wearing black, right? So straight away, you know, trying to fit in. I would much rather them, like, gone with that horrible get-up that they had, that red frilly stuff that they were wearing at the time. But no, they didn't do that. And they opened up with Isolation, which has got that that really deep uh, sort of verse bit before it uh, goes into the massive chorus. And... Uh, there's a few shots where it shows the crowd. You can see it on YouTube as well. Uh, Crusher introduces him with his dog as well. Good, And then, and then, so it turns onto the crowds and part of the crowd is well into it and moshing. And Andy sort of goes over to them. Unfortunately for him, leaving the other part of the crowd sort of vacant and, and awaiting his majesty, you know, to sort of like give them attention. It doesn't happen that way. So, from what you can see, half of the audience really loves it, but half of them are like sort of arms crossed. Uh, interesting juxtaposition. I wasn't there, so I don't know. I only can only tell you from what I've seen on YouTube, but it's an interesting sort of thing that they just... They didn't do the whole therapy thing. They didn't do it. They sort of went a little bit to the rock thing. And then I was thinking, well, actually, Paul, you would have done that too like <laughs> those crowds those monsters of rock crowds they could be vicious and there was like you don't see anyone throwing bottles of piss at them or anything like that like they would do if Europe were playing or, or poison or something so i i guess good on them i don't know anyway the scores well this album because there is nothing that matches the height of epilepsy and because it is nowhere near as good as Uh, baby teeth teeth grinder trouble gum like no good as my early stuff that I used to love I'm only giving this one six out of ten it would have got a lot higher if the standard of the other tracks was as good as Diane and epilepsy but it wasn't Uh, it's pretty average so what's that mean well it means that blur win this blur with their seven out of ten and surprise for the great escape an album that I've always ignored uh, which often came across uh, in the like history of Blurism as the album that you can forget, is actually pretty decent. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, but that might be the case. But now we've got to do this. So the point of part one and part two is you find the best album from part one, which was PJ Harvey's Dry. You find the best album in part two, which was Blur's The Great Escape. And then we've got to decide what's better. Is it PJ Harvey? Is it Blur? I think you know the answer to that. It's PJ Harvey. Dry is definitely the best album from these two. Uh, All I would say is if you haven't got it already, go and get it. If you don't know about PJ Harvey, you've got to try her Rid of Me, 9 out of 10, second album, or Dry, 9 out of 10, first album. Uh, The only other PJ Harvey album I've got is the one called... Let England Shake, and I quite like that, but it's not as good as either of the aforementioned ones. I would also recommend that you give... Down By The Water, whatever that is called. Don't know what that's called. Probably Down By The Water, maybe. Uh, I'll give that a a listen. I would avoid the album White Chalk, which was the one that came out before Let England Shake, which is just her on a piano. Another album I bought, but then quickly sold... And that is my PJ Harvey lesson for someone that's not really into PJ Harvey but has just discovered her properly. Those first two albums are something that uh, I don't think I will ever forget as long as I live. I think they're amazing. I think that she is an incredible artist. And that's about it. That's the end of it. So thanks for listening to Different Times Podcast, Enemy. 17th of June 1995 Part 2 Enemy is a blur And bracket Lotion Therapy Part 2 Enemy Blur Out